You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Well, to all of our online viewers, welcome. My goodness, this is just so different than anything I have ever done or experienced. So first off, I'm asking for grace uh, today. This whole online experience is new for us, but I just want to give credit to our digital media team who is currently here in the building that made this all possible, um, working more than what they would normally work on a regular week and coming in in their spare time and uh, just setting this uh, whole setup up and making sure our technology is good to go. And I'm just so thankful for them. So if you uh, see any of our digital media team online, be sure to to just give them a shout out and let them know how thankful you are. I also want to encourage you to share this link. Um, we as a church, and by church I mean nationally and essentially worldwide, have never experienced a situation like this before. And I'll, I, of course, I'll, I'll admit that. But um, I also want to say that we have never had an opportunity like this before. We've never had an opportunity where the world around us has an open heart and an open mind to hear and receive the message of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you as our online viewers, um, if you would please share this, uh, post it on your page, and uh, be sure to just you know share, share the message, share the Word of God. Um, also want to just give an update that uh, we're looking at sometime today to launch our new website. If you would like to check that out later this evening, I would encourage you at c3lehigh.com or you can find the link on our Facebook, uh, web, uh, excuse me, our Facebook account to go to the website and uh, hope that that would uh, bless you. Before we get started this morning, I, I do just want to um, share a, an awesome resource. So obviously it's no surprise that right now our culture is... Um, a little bit shaken, a little bit concerned. And one of the tools that I have found very handy is it's a, uh, it's a Bible here that says God's promises for your life. And you will find it's a quick reference guide to various scriptures, and it divides up scriptures by topics. And one of the topics in here is, is finding hope. And so if you ever are drawn a blank and you say, man, pastor, I, I, I know that there's scriptures about hope, but I need a quick reference guide, man, this is an awesome tool. And um, once again, it, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's great because if you've heard me speak before, you've heard me mention about, you know, uh, going against kind of fortune cookie scriptures. And, and here's what I mean by that is we in the church culture sometimes take scriptures out of their context open them up and say, you know, what does this mean to me? Rather than looking at the scripture in its original context for what it was meant for. For example, there's a scripture that talks about, you know, the Lord will fulfill the desires of your heart. And how I've seen that scripture uh, turned around before, uh, God bless the person, was that um, if I desire something, then the Lord will make it happen, kind of. So example, um, if I desire a awesome uh, Ford F-350 diesel truck, uh, the Lord is going to fulfill that desire in my heart, and it's going to come true. 
And that's not how we read this scripture. In the original context, the way that it was meant was that when Jesus is the desire of our heart, that we cannot help but find fulfillment and purpose in that. And so that's just one example of, you know, scriptures in their original context, it matters. And so I want to, one of the reasons why I, I just, I love this resource is because it's scriptures and they're in context. And um, it's just blessed me during this time, once again, as a quick reference guide. So I'd encourage you, um, I don't get anything for this, obviously, you know, not like a sponsorship from Amazon, but I got this on Amazon. But hey, if Amazon wanted to sponsor us, then glory to God, that's awesome. Um, hey, this morning, um, we're going to first, uh, before we continue in our series, our, our series right now is titled The High Call of Serving. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God has designed you and created you for a specific purpose. He has things in your life that that he not only wants to accomplish in your life, but he wants to accomplish through your life. Every one of the individuals who are gathered online right now, you have a sphere of influence, different people groups in your life. And God wants to utilize that so that his message of hope can go forward. And one of the things that we've been talking about is just how um, God's anointing, you know, touches that calling on our life. And, and does immeasurably, immeasurably more than what we could ever ask of or dream of, once again, not just in our lives, but through our lives. And as over the past couple of weeks, we've been referencing um, Rick Warren's uh, book, 40 Days of Purpose, which is just an incredible resource. And this book sold over uh, 40 million copies in its just first couple years of, of existence. Why? Because we have a world that's looking for hope. And so I just want to touch on this topic of the Stupid coronavirus. And yes, I said stupid because I am angry at this thing. I hate disruption and I hate the thing that, you know, this, this thing that has just kind of interrupted all of our schedules. But I want to address some of the things and, and just um, take note on how we as the body of Christ with callings on our lives can utilize this time for his purpose and what we have to hold on to. And the first thing that I, I just want to mention this morning is for the love of all that is holy, turn off the news. <laughs> turn off the news. Get, you know, 10 minutes so that you can get an update and then change the narrative. The reason why I just say that this morning is once again is um, the news and media tends to take situations and um, blow them out of, out of proportion. Not to say that this isn't a time that we should be handling with caution and wisdom and common sense, which is something that I'm going to be addressing here in a moment. But my point is, is the media, they're the ones during this time that, that are kind of prospering. And so what their objective is right now is to get consumers and viewers as much as possible. And so however they can exaggerate a statement or cause even more worry on top of a situation that always is already cause for concern, they, they take it kind of a level up. And that's across the board. That, that's no matter, you know, whatever media outlet you're drawn to, whether it's known as left wing or right wing, that's just the agenda across the board that I want us to recognize. And so my point in that is, if we are constantly feeding ourselves, our body, our mind, our spirit, the message of worry, anxiety, anxiousness, I'm just freaking out, then that's going to bleed out into our lives. And soon our homes are going to be known as houses of anxiety and fear. And that's not what God has, has called us to today. And so the first thing that I, that I just kind of want to point out is during this, this series, we've talked about being servants of the Lord. And if 
we recognize that is the calling on our lives, then the first thing should be this. Um, servants recognize the need as an opportunity. Our culture has a need right now. And rather than freaking out and going, oh my goodness, I don't know what we're going to do. I want us to see this as an incredible opportunity. Um, what are some needs that, that we need to carry with us as the body of Christ? Well, first, there's a need for a balance in theology right now. There is a need for a balanced theology right now. Um, for example, some of the narratives right now, even within a Christian community, are doom and gloom. This is the end. The virus is God's judgment of all. And, and I don't know what we're going to do. And we should panic and fear and hide in our homes. And I can't believe this is the end times, pastor. And I hear all of these things. And friend, can I just remind us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And what God has called us to is not to speak to a generation, a message of even more hopelessness and more anxiousness and worry. But God, our foundation, the perfecter of our faith, has called us to a higher standard than anxiousness and worry. As a matter of fact, God has, has not given us, his word says that he has not given us a spirit of fear. He did not instill that in us, but he gave us a spirit of love, power, and I love this next one, self-control. And right now, in order to have a balanced theology, I believe that we need self-control. As we hear these different narratives from the, the media, and as we hear these different narratives from various news sources, there's a need for self-control. To not overindulge in this so much so that it affects our spirit. Next thing that I, that, I, that I recognize as a need during this time in the lives of, of Christians is a need for wisdom. Right now, a part of the reason why we are meeting online and not in person is because there have been safety protocols that our, our government has put into place to, to keep us safe. And some of the things that I've just been, you know, kind of going back and forth between is once again, hearing from different individuals inside the church or outside of the church, um, recognizing these protocols either as one, ridiculous and not taking them seriously, or two, and this one kind of shocked me that these safety protocols are recognized as lack of faith, which just blew my mind. Because once again, I, th I, I believe that, you know, that we all have that understanding when it comes to self safety, excuse me, safety and seatbelts, that we, we recognize that that is a good idea, that, it, that it, it would be irresponsible and kind of reckless to get in our cars and fly around going 100 miles an hour because we recognize that speed limits are necessary. And with the speed limits in, in, in seatbelts, I've never heard an individual come to me and say, Pastor, that seatbelt is a faith restrictor. By faith, I'm just going to drive my car because I don't want to be held back anymore. I've never recognized somebody who, who came in and said, you know, speed limits are just this conspiracy theory and thing made up by the government to once again control our lives. We recognize those as wisdom. We recognize those things that they bring safety. And right now, I would like to just encourage us to recognize that once again, the, the protocols and things that our, that our government, our society is setting in place is for the safety of our culture, for the safety of those who might have um, you know, immune issues going on. And I want to encourage you to, to just kind of switch the narrative off from uh, lack of faith to recognizing that there is wisdom in taking some safety measures. 
we never view, or excuse me, often we, we don't view medications as holding us back. We see those as necessary. And same thing with seatbelts and speed limit signs. So I would just encourage you that during, excuse me, during this time to see these things not as faith restrictors. That's not what's happening, but see these things as the, the, the well-being of, of our culture that we have an opportunity to, to play a part of. I also want to mention that there is an opportunity in front of us, in front of the church, to bring hope to the world around us. Once again, this has never been given to us before. This, this is an epidemic. This is an issue that we haven't had to deal with since 1918. And so I want to encourage you that during this time to be a messenger of hope, that the narrative of your life, the message that you bring is, is a message of faith and hope. And I want to say this. I want to say that when we're filled with faith, it doesn't mean that we don't recognize the issue in front of us. It doesn't mean that we detach ourselves from reality. But here's what often happens is sometimes whenever we believe we're walking by faith, two things happen. Either one, we begin to walk into this um, bringing our, our problem to God rather than bringing God to our problem. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes in these moments, we begin to fill ourselves with this message that we bring the problems to our God rather than bringing God to our problems. Can I just say that when, when David went out onto the battlefield, he wasn't bringing the giant to God. He was bringing God with him and he was conquering this giant. So it is so for your life and my life. I want to encourage you that during this time to be full of hope and faith. Yes, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that we detach ourselves from the reality. That means that we say, you know what? My God is big enough to heal this issue at hand. My God is big enough to take care of this. And even if the worst thing were to happen, I still have full faith because I recognize that our God has an eternal love, an eternal plan for us. And this virus does not change his love for us or his will for us, but he will use it for his purpose. There's an opportunity in front of us to bring hope to the world around us. This word says, be still and know that I am God. Now, I got to admit that the first couple days in this, um, in taking safety measures and safety protocols for this virus, and, and just to cut to the chase, what I'm referring to is being at home. The first couple days, um, I was not still. <laughs> I was trying to find things to do working as much as I could from, from home, um, so much so that, you know, God bless my wife. Uh, she is just an outstanding woman because for her to have the patience that she has had for me while I'm at home working, uh, I can just tell you that there is an extra anointing on her life. But um, being still is something that I struggle with. And yet his word says, be still and know that I am God. You know that God wants to bring peace to your life. And the reason why I say that is because, once again, he didn't create a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. And if you've heard me speak before, you've heard me reference, you know, Elijah on the mount. And I just so love this story because he's looking for God and he's on top of this mount. And if you know this story, you know what happens and, and an earthquake happens and Elijah's looking for God in the earthquake and the Bible says he's not in it. Wind and fire pass by, and yet his word says that God's voice could be heard in this still quietness. Once again, I want to come back to my point. God's in the stillness and quietness 
make sure that we aren't consuming ourselves with media and anxiousness and worry, but during this time that we're seeking opportunity to be still, read his word and know that he is God. Hope comes from God. Hope comes from knowing that the end result will be worked for his purpose. While everyone else is running around unsure of what to believe, being controlled by fear, living in a constant state of panic and uncertainty, we as Christians have hope. We as Christians, you see, I am certain of this. I am certain that God always wins. No matter what the situation or circumstances, I know that God always wins. Regardless of the shake of temporary things of this world, I have hope because it isn't going to affect my eternity. It isn't going to affect his love for me. It's not going to diminish his love for me. It's not even going to touch that. That's the hope that we have this morning to carry with us. Are we exemplifying that hope? Are we being carriers of faith, hope, and love? Are we seeing the fruits of the Spirit abound in our life? Love, patience, peace, joy, and so on. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this because it says, may you overflow. You see, God just doesn't want to put a little bit of hope in you. He wants it to overflow from your life. So much so that others who might be on shaky ground see that you're on a foundation with your relationship in Jesus Christ. Are you carrying hope this morning, friend? Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The reason why I love this Bible verse is because the Bible fits the definition of every single one of these things. It is true. God's word is noble. God's word is right. God's word is pure. God's word is lovely. It is admirable. And so essentially how we can fill, fulfill this scripture is by making sure that during this time, once again, our hope lies in God's word on his promises. What he said is true. Allow his word to become the narrative of your life. Allow his word during this time to speak on your behalf, to speak to your heart. Once again, I come back to the point of turn off the news. Five to ten minutes to get an update is perfectly fine. But friend, when we start going beyond that, we begin to allow it to infect and yes, I use the word infect because I believe it, it becomes an infection to us, to our spirit, when we allow the narrative of anxiousness and worry and concern to be the filter and the lens by which we see life around us. May your narrative be God's word. May your narrative be the God of hope, the God of joy, the God of peace. To be a servant means that Jesus has lordship over your life. See, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about putting God's word into action. And I would like to go back to one of the points kind of going within that series. And that point is to be a servant means that Jesus has lordship over your life. 
I hope that it's your desire today to be a servant of the Lord because I can't imagine anything else that could even match or even come close to what it's like to fulfill God's purpose for your life, to know why you've been created and you're living out that purpose, to be in relationship with the God who created everything around us, to be his hands and feet is one of the greatest honors that we have as the church. So in order to be a servant, We have to make sure that Jesus has lordship over your life. Now, let me define that for a moment. We often look and picture Jesus as um, purely in redemptive roles. We look at Jesus that his only role is redemptive, that his only role is to benefit you, that his only role is to bless you. And can I tell you that today, um, while some of that may be true, he also came to lead our lives. Jesus did not just come to bless us. Jesus did not just come to say, you know, thus saith the Lord, I hope that you live a life of peace and wealth, but he came to lead our lives. You see, we have a, a culture in our, in our church world today where we're not necessarily comfortable with somebody having authority over us. We're not comfortable with somebody ruling our life. We are comfortable with believing in a God who, once again, wants to just bless us. But whenever it comes to giving up authority, we tend to step back and go, I don't know, God. And so we end up holding on to things that Jesus came to bring us out of. And we try and live two different lives, one in the old and one in the new. Why is that? Because we haven't surrendered over to Jesus to where we can say, he is not only God, but he is Lord over my life. Lordship means to have power over one, to rule with authority over a person. Does Jesus have authority in your life? Does Jesus have authority in your life? Do you make decisions dependent upon his will and what he desires and his word and his standard for your life? Does he have authority to tell you what is true, what is admirable, and what is not? To be a servant means that he is not only God in your life, but that he is Lord. I also want to mention this, that Jesus is worth submitting to. Once again, coming back to that point that that we don't like having somebody lord over our lives. Often, not all of us, but often we have issues with that. And the part of the reason why is because maybe there's individuals who are tuning in online and you've really never had a good experience with what it's like to submit to somebody who is worth following. Maybe you grew up in a home similar to some of the close friends in my life who grew up in some dysfunction and authority was not used in an appropriate manner. And authority was really the definition of, of, of what they went through was not ruling in authority. It was an abuse of power. And so now whenever we bring up the topic of Jesus being Lord over your life, ruling over your life, it's filtered through this kind of impure mechanism because you've dealt with an abuse of authority before, maybe from a parent, somebody that you looked up to. Can I just tell you today that God's definition of authority is is just so far different from that. It's not just a matter of us submitting to him. It's a matter that, that he's worth submitting to. A life being led by Jesus was so compelling to grown men 
that they set aside their professions, friends, and families in order to pursue this revolutionary teacher. I'm referring to the disciples. Following Jesus, submitting to his authority, submitting to him was so worth it that these men went on to lay down their lives for him. Why did 12 individuals, 11 if you want to be argumentative, but uh, we'll go with 12. Why did 12 individuals see it worth, see him worth dying for? Because he was worth submitting to. He was worth following. So much so that these men set aside their professions, in some circumstances, their names, their friends, their family, all they've ever known to pursue him because Jesus is worth following. You see, I kind of think, I think of it in this, this term. I expect my daughter to submit to my authority, not based on coming to, to my daughter Cadence and, and saying, ha ha, I have power. I'm over you. It, it's not like that. I have authority over my daughter because it's what benefits her well-being and safety. And so it is with Jesus, that Jesus has a authority over us, not for an abusive um, intention, but because he loves us that much that he wants to lead our lives and, and look out for us and give us guiding parameters that lead to wholeness and not brokenness. Just the other day... Um, my wife and I have been trying to spend time in the evenings outside uh, with, with my three-year-old um, because, man, right now, uh, she's like a lion in a cage being poked with a stick. This whole being in a house uh, thing all day is just not going well. <laughs> and so we try and, and do some walks around our neighborhood or uh, draw some, some things on the sidewalk outside with sidewalk chalk. And just the other day, uh, my daughter, uh, she's uh, a three-year-old, but I believe that she's a 23-year-old stuck in a three-year-old's body. And she's in this kind of mode where she believes that she knows what's best. And we will start to walk down a road and uh, I, I hold on to her hand. And yesterday we kind of had this altercation where uh, she wanted to be quote-unquote free. And her definition of free was, was running ahead of my wife and I on a street, which obviously because of the dangers of, of cars, we uh, were lucked in and said uh, no. Why? Because of her own benefit. And so finally, after this, this, this kind of uh, minor altercation, we looked at my daughter and said, honey, if you, if you don't su submit to this, if, if you don't hold my hand, then we're, we're just simply not going to be outside. And, and she didn't fully understand that. And, and she wanted to run because she saw the street in front of her uh, as, as safe, as perfectly okay. But her, my wife and I knew better. We knew that there were dangers. And out of her safety, we ended up taking her home and, and just kind of saying, hey, we're going to just play in the backyard tonight. Sometimes what we view as freedom is actually an endangerment. And God doesn't tell us no because he's mad at us. He doesn't tell us no because he wants to harm us. It's because he set up guiding parameters around our life because he knows how our lives should function best. And often what we view as fun and harmless is actually sin that leads to brokenness. And so when we talk about 
Jesus being Lord over your life. We're talking about submitting to an authority that we understand is for our benefit. That our definition of freedom and safe is not his definition of freedom and safe. That's why he gave us the word of God guiding parameters so that we stay within this safety zone because he knew that walking outside of that safety zone into sin only leads to brokenness, only needs to wanting to go back and never being satisfied. Jesus knew the things that would satisfy our body, mind, and spirit. And that is why he calls us to to follow him, to submit to his authority. Is Jesus Lord over your life? 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel, excuse me, a vessel for honorable use. So set apart as holy, useful to the master, and ready for every good work. Second Timothy 2.21 is a call to submission, is a call to his lordship in and through our lives. Friend, are you set apart? I don't care how long you've known Jesus, there will always be those moments where we need to be reminded that he is for us, not against us. And when he tells us no, when he tells us yes, it's for our benefit. There will always be those moments where God is asking you to make a choice to step out in faith, what is beyond into what is beyond our own understanding. And you will need to be reminded that he is worth following that he is worth submitting to. Are you set apart? Is his standard the one in which you live and abide in and live your life by? Is his standard the standard for your home and how you run it? Is his standard the standard for your marriage? When, it, when people look into your marriage or if you're in a relationship, maybe even friendships, can people see Christ's likeness and how you conduct yourself in marriage or relationships in general? Is his standard for your temperament? And as a redhead, this is one I struggle with. <laughs> is his standard the standard for your temperament and the standard in how you live your life? Does your word model his word? I love the way that Dr. Tony Evans put it when he said this, much of the chaos and challenges that we cannot overcome in our lives stem from the fact that we do not rightly respond to his rule. I'm going to say that one more time. Much of the chaos and challenges that we cannot overcome in our lives stem from the fact that we do not rightly respond to his rule in our life. Many of the issues that we face in life are actually a result of not submitting to Jesus and the model that he gives us. It's a lordship issue. Much of the issues and problems that we face in our society, in our workplace, in our government, in our politics stem from the issue of not submitting to his authority and believing that we know what is best. God's calling is often based more on submission to his lordship than your own ability. I'm going to say that again. 
The calling of God is based more on submission to him and to his lordship than your own ability. There's too many people that we can pull from, from the word of God, who had no ability to do what they were called to do. There's too many stories in this book of individuals who were taken from this state of really, once again, not having any giftings to, to, to even stand there and say, I'm gifted with X, Y, Z, and therefore I can be used with God. It wasn't about that. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. Much of them had different things in their life that should have disqualified them from the calling of God on their life. But the calling of God is often based more on submission to his lordship than it is your and my own ability. So therefore, friend, if we filter the calling of God through that, then that means that, that the next thing in your life to be used by the next great thing that, that you're kind of seeking for God to, to use in your life isn't based on the qualifications that you have currently. It's based on if you're willing to say, yes, Lord, your will above mine. God's calling is based more on submission to his lordship than our own abilities. God chooses the most unlikely figures to do incredible things. Why? Because they came under his authority. Could it be that the key to experiencing a new level of ministry in your and my life is not a matter of ability, but it's a matter of lordship? Because there's one thing that I, that I notice, a standard principle in the word of God, is that God does not qualify, excuse me, God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And as we read in, in his word about this calling, this high calling that he's placed on our lives to do incredible things, that, that his Holy Spirit anoints us and begins to, to speak a better word, to, begins to, to take and, and instill a, a divine wisdom in our lives. And could it be that it's not a matter of qualifications, it's a matter of submitting to the one who is worth submitting to. Is Jesus Lord over your life? Submitting to a God who holds your future, qualifies the called, loves relentlessly and unconditionally. He is worth trusting and I guarantee that submission to God, I've never heard of, of someone saying, I regret giving my life to God. I've only ever heard testimonies and stories of the excellence of what it is to be his hands and his feet. And friend, that's what God has called us to do. During this time, God is calling his church to rise up with faith. Once again, not, not dismissing the reality in front of us, not bringing our problems to God, but bringing God to our problems. God is calling us as a church. If we want to be used in a greater propensity, we have to learn to submit. We have to learn to yield to his authority. And once again, it doesn't matter. If you've, been a, if you've known Jesus maybe for, for day one, this is day one, if you've known Jesus for 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years, we will always need those moments in our life where we are reminded that he is worth submitting to. We will always come to those bridges where Jesus is calling us to make a choice or a decision that involves us stepping out in faith. And every time, I mean, I, I, maybe it's just me, 
But every time I have to be reminded through his word that, that it's worth it, that it might not make sense in that moment, but it's worth it. It's kind of, I saw a picture one time on social media where it was a picture of a little girl standing in front of Jesus who was knelt down at eye level. And the little girl had this little tiny teddy bear. And Jesus was asking her to hand that over to him. And the girl in this picture was reluctant and said, but Jesus, I'm just not sure. And behind Jesus' back, he held this life-size teddy bear. I mean, huge. And it so perfectly explained and gave us a visual of when God is calling us to step out in faith and we hesitantly say, God, I'm just not sure. This picture so perfectly exemplified that he's worth submitting to, that if God has called you to it, he'll bring you through it. Submitting to God, the God who holds your future, is worth submitting to. So let me ask you this, as as we close out this morning, because I promised that this message would be a little bit more brief than our normal, but as we close out this morning's service, I want to ask you this question. What areas in your life are, you, are the most difficult ones to hand over to Jesus? Now, don't, don't comment on, on our, our, our service and, and start you know, listing there. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to make a post about it or, or turn your neighbor you know, in your homes, your, your husband, your wife, your kids, and start spilling it. I'm, I'm asking you to, to reflect on your own life, to take a moment. What areas and your life are the most difficult to hand over to Jesus? Is it finances? Is it attitude? Maybe it's the role of fatherhood to which you're called to, or motherhood. Is it compassion? Is it our will in general? Do we struggle with control? I know that's something in my life that often rears its ugly head is I like to be in control. I like to control the pace by which I live my life. And I've learned, and I'm sure that many of our online viewers have learned that um, his control is always better, that his plans are always better. What areas in our lives are the most difficult to hand over to Jesus and trust him with? And the last question that I want to ask you is, and this is going to get to the root, why are those things so difficult to hand over? Why are those things in our life that we struggle handing over to Jesus, submitting to his authority, to submitting to his lordship? Why are those things so difficult to hand over to him and trust him with? And as we conclude this morning, Here's, here's your homework. Here's your homework. Is that as you begin to ask yourself those challenging questions, what do I struggle with handing over to Jesus and why do I struggle with those things? I want you to begin to just list out those categories. I struggle with X, Y, Z. And begin to seek his word and what he would speak to those things. God's word talks about our temperament. 
God's word, I, I, when I talk about temperament, I'm talking about our behavior. And I just look at his, his fruit, the fruit of the spirit. And it's called me to a much higher standard that I cannot live by without his leading and guidance in my life. I also want to challenge you that this, this morning, if you've been trying to accomplish and do life on your own, can I just tell you that there is a God in heaven who loves you and has spoken a better word and wants to begin to, to just not only lord over your life, but, but bringing that kind of beneficial side to his lordship to lead you and guide you. I think of, of, of Psalms where, you know, David says, you lead me by quiet waters where David begins to talk about that being in God's presence and getting to know him is so worth it that he says, Lord, I long to dwell in your house. How are we doing, friend, with submitting to his will? Are we being carriers of hope? Are we walking by faith? Are we speaking life? with the understanding that once again, that scripture that we read just a few moments ago, that life and death are in the power of the tongue because here's the reality is our nation is going through a a difficult time and you and I have the opportunity to begin to pray and seek the will of God and use this moment as an opportunity for his word to go forward and touch hearts and bring hope to the hopeless and bring wholeness to the broken. And you and I have this incredible opportunity. I don't know about you, but I wanna make sure that five, 10 years from now, when we look back and this moment has passed, I don't wanna look at it with regret. I don't want to look back saying, my goodness, I was so consumed at the problem at hand that I began to to hold that, that, that problem in front of my vision so much so that I couldn't see the God standing behind because I was holding the problem too close to my face. I want to see beyond that understanding that once again, he is the God of hope. He is the God who brings joy. He is our healer. He is our perfecter of faith. He is the one who healed the lame who healed the broken, who our society was so impacted by that we literally define timelines according to his life, death, and resurrection. I want to know 10 years from now that during this time, I didn't just push out the reality, but I began to seek God like I never had before that I began to reach those around me, recognizing that those who don't know Jesus, friend, if you don't know Jesus today, can I just tell you that he wants, he knows you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants that to take root. He wants to bring hope. And in just a moment, we're gonna conclude with prayer. And his word says, how, how do we begin this relationship? His word just says that we confess our sins and we declare him Lord over our lives. So I'm gonna ask if, If you're tuning in today and you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus, can I encourage you? We just talked about stepping out in faith and stepping out in uncertainty. Maybe you're a little bit nervous. Pastor, I've heard this all before. Can I just tell you from personal experience, he's real. His lordship is one of the most important decisions you will ever make. Submitting to his lordship, recognizing him as Lord. And the other category that I want to speak to today is those who have been following Jesus. You've heard messages similar to this before. Can I challenge you 
What areas do you struggle with his lordship taking precedence over? And why is that? And as you begin to open up and see what that's rooted in, why we are reluctant to submit this area, that area, to begin to seek his word and what his word would have to say and begin to trust those areas into his hands, whether it be control, whether it be anxiousness, to begin to submit those over to him. Friend, five years from now, don't look back on these moments with regret, but live in such a way here and now being carriers of hope and faith that five years from now, you look back to this moment in time and you begin to realize that there were different people in your life who were led to Jesus through you because you saw this moment as not doom and gloom, but you saw this moment as a nation that is looking for hope and you were able to be a hope carrier. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we conclude? Father, help us to submit to your Lordship. Lord, I pray for the individuals who are tuning in today and maybe they're filled with with worry and concern. Lord, I pray that they would be still and know that you are God, that the reality of how big you are and how great you are would come to settle in their hearts. Lord, I pray that there would be testimonies as a result of this, of individuals who saw this as a time to bring hope to the hopeless, as them to bring hope, that that we would be carriers of hope. And what I mean by that is, Lord, help us to exemplify Christ-likeness in such a way that others look at our lives and they say there's something different about you and we would have the ability, we'd have the courage and the boldness and the humility to say, let me tell you about the God that I serve. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we begin to dive into this this homework of figuring out what we're reluctant to place into your hands and as to why that is, help us to live a life in surrender. That as a result of this, once again, years from now, we would look back and say, you know, I used to struggle with being a control freak. I had to control every aspect of my life. But now I've learned to submit to the lordship of the God and be of the God who created me, the God who created the world. And as a result of submitting to his lordship, I can now list blessing after blessing and testimony after testimony of how big my God is. So Lord, help us once again to be carriers of hope. I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to empower your church for such a time as this, that we would look back years from now and say, that's when God started to have lordship in our nation because we began to submit to him and recognize that this isn't a doom and gloom kind of situation, but this is an opportunity to see how big and how great our God is. Lord, once again, help us to live a life in such a way that we live a life resembling that we are servants of God Almighty, that we would look to Jesus as our Lord. Father, I pray over every individual who's tuning in right now that you would keep them safe, keep them healthy. And Lord, we just pray right now On behalf of individuals who have been infected by this sickness, Lord, I just pray that you would begin to just divinely touch and heal bodies 
whether they're in they're, whether it's individuals in hospitals right now, sick at home, whatever it may be, Lord, we just plead the blood of Jesus over this virus, Lord, asking and knowing that you are more than able to eradicate it, Lord Jesus. We pray over our government officials that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them discernment, that they would turn to you, that they would seek your purpose and your will above all else. And Father, help us as the church right now to be united, to be set upon the foundation of the cross. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this morning's service. Please stay tuned to our Facebook account as well as our new website as we begin to launch it here this evening if all goes according to plan and technology cooperates with us. I want to encourage you. The reason why I say uh, tune in is because we're going to be posting many devotionals this week. Uh, don't be surprised if you see me uh, on a one, uh, one and only uh, selfie video uh, filming a quick devotional, but we just want to keep that connection. I also want to encourage you, friend, on the, on the live stream chat just to... Uh, let's build community. Let's build community on live stream. We might not be able to physically be there for one another in a room, but let's let's begin to just pray over one another and be there for one another, uh, even through a live stream chat. God bless you. And I pray that your day is filled with his word, his hope, and that you begin to uh, see the faithfulness of our God. God bless. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.